such a nice thing. At the end of the week, to have this breath of fresh air and the sun is shining and to be surrounded by people whom, whom you love and you know. It's, I'm really honored to be here with you guys today. I'm, I'm getting ready to leave for the Philippines next week and, and having this break um, is actually very much uh, a joy to me. So uh, I pray that, uh, that God gives me words and, and I'll do a blessing in just a little bit here. But uh, let me go ahead and, and start the sermon with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I stand here today because you brought me here, and I pray that you fill my mouth with your words and that, that you speak to your people today. Through me, in your name I pray. Amen. So, bless the world. So, for those of you guys um, who've been here for the last few weeks, we're finishing up a series called The Road Ahead. Who's actually heard the other two parts of the series. You guys have been here, so this is part three. Um, we've been doing the vision series because it's important for us as a church to know where we're going and why it is we're doing what we're doing. So part one was love God. Part two was love others. And this is the very last part called bless the world. Um, for those of you guys who, who are very good with the details, you may have noticed that this one was originally called serve the world. And um, part of the way through the series, uh, we were talking and we realized that serving didn't actually incorporate everything we were wanting to, to get across with this part of the thing, because serving is something anybody can do. I mean, you look at the number of nonprofits, they're not all religious. There's a lot of people out in the world who feel that serving is important. But as a church, we're called to do more than just do things. We're called to be a blessing. And blessing is a very specific kind of word. It's very much a, a religious, a spiritual world, word that has a spiritual meaning. And so we wanted to talk about that today. Um, we are called to be a blessing. And that's something we trace back all the way to, to Abraham. Um, for those of you guys who have Bibles, I don't know if the, the verse is going to make it up. Um, but we trace our, our spiritual history, our Christian history, back to Abraham, the very first calling when God set apart a people that he was going to have relationship with, that he was going to work through. And we see that story starting in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me. Um, and I'll go ahead and read from the New Living Translation. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all families of the earth will be blessed through you. So that's it right there. It's the beginning of the church. And I know it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like God having a conversation with one man. But all our historic heritage of the church goes back to this one moment. In Galatians 3, which uh, Brian read for us so well, talks about how we are the spiritual children of Abraham, that we have inherited his blessing. But along with that blessing also comes this responsibility of being a blessing to the whole world. So I wanted to look a little closer at these, uh, these verses, and I found five points that I wanted to emphasize that you'll have on, on your sheet chance to write them down. 
five different parts of this blessing. And it all starts with that very first one, two, three, four, five, six words. The Lord said to Abram. And for me, it, it jumped out at me because this is where the story starts. It's with an initiation. God reaching out to us. It starts with God. It didn't start with us. It started with God reaching out to Abram. Um, for those of you guys who have entered the dating world or have finished with the dating world, there's this really important part of, of any relationship, and it's about who makes the first move. How many of you guys made the first move in your relationship? Come on, someone had to make the first move in their relationship. Thank you, Bob. Bob made the first move in his relationship. <laughs> in generations past, it was pretty much a given that the guy would make the first move, or at least that the girl would make the guy think he was making the first move. Uh, because that was very important. And I feel that's slowly been changing, that, you know, it's, it's equal opportunity initiation now. But um, I was raised by my mother, and my mom felt very strongly that the girl should never make the first move. You can't call him. He's a boy. He needs to call you. If he wants to talk to you, he'll call you. You can't call him. And uh, I ended up making the first move with Jeff anyways. It worked out very well for me. I have no regrets. Um, but he did propose, so he, he took that step by himself. That one's still, you know. I, I strongly encouraged him to propose. He's the one who actually did it. <laughs> um, but I feel like this initiation, it, it's important because it tends to give an indication of who, who cares more about the situation. You know, who's the one who cares enough to go out on a limb and, and, and put themselves out there when you're not sure what the response is going to be. You know, and so when it comes to this relationship with God, it's important to say that God made the first move with us. It's always been God. God has always cared more. We love God because God first loved us. He made the first move. He started the conversation. He made the first sacrifice. Not everything we do is in response to that. There's a lot of language about us seeking God and us finding God. And, and that's important language because we do search for God in our lives and we do try to seek his presence and his face. But it's important for us to remember that he made the first move. He started this conversation. He started this journey. The second, right after that, we have God talking to Abraham. He says, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. So after the initiation, God jumps straight in, and he gives a command. Part two, a command. So God reaches out to us, and the first thing he does is challenges us to leave our comfort zone and start on a journey, an adventure with him, because God is all about challenges. There are no victories in safety. Um, so for me, I very much lived in an, an Adventist bubble growing up. Um, and I don't know how many of you guys had the same experience, but I was 16 before I met my first non-Adventist. My first non, yeah, non, not Christian, not Adventist. I met them all the same summer that I was interning at Loma Linda University in a research um, facility program that they had there. And I met a Baptist a Hindu, and an atheist, all at the same time. And this was a huge experience for me because I'd never met someone who didn't believe what I believed. And um, I didn't convert anybody that summer, um, but it was definitely a new experience out of my comfort zone, getting to know people that were different than me. 
and, and starting a conversation, and I hope by the end of the summer that they had a more positive understanding of who Adventists are and what Adventists believe, and that I was a positive example to them as they were to me. Because finding out that, that Hindus are, are people too, that they're funny and, and they joke around and they care about health just as much as we do, you know, and, and Baptists, you know, very sweet, very kind. I, I got a wonderful impression of, of what was out there and starting an understanding for me. So uh, this isn't a problem that my youth have today. Have they all escaped to the mother's room already? Yeah, probably. Um, my youth are, are all high public school students now. So they probably encountered more non-Adventists than Adventists by this point. And, and most of you guys who are adults, that's probably true by now. In your work and the things that you do, you encounter more non-Adventists than Adventists. So that might not be what delineates your comfort zone. It might not just be, am I hanging out in church or am I not? You know, Your comfort zone has to do with this area where you feel safe, a place where you're comfortable, you have your groove, you have your things that you normally do, your routine. That's part of life. And for those of you guys who know, when you're in a routine, sometimes it's easy to go on automatic pilot. Like I have this thing I do when I'm driving, where it's like I'm driving down a street I know really well, and then all of a sudden realize I've gone like two miles and I'm driving still, but I don't remember going the last two miles. Has this happened to you before? Just me? Okay, thank you. Some people nodding. I feel a little better. But when you're on the automatic pilot, you're not paying attention to what's around you. It's easy just to keep on going without seeing what's happening around. It's important to, when you get out of your comfort zone, all of a sudden you are aware. You're aware of the traffic lights. You're aware of the people. You're aware of the cars. You're aware of the things you've never seen before. And your experience is different. And so for, able, for God to really be able to get through to Abraham, to build this relationship, it was important for Abraham to leave to leave the place where he felt safe and start something new where he would be so dependent on God in order to make it. Now for me here, this is my comfort zone now. I love it here. I could stay here forever. You guys are awesome. <laughs> um, but God's called me now for a challenge that is, is terrifying to me and to do public school ministry that I'll be starting this fall here. And that's something completely new. I didn't go to public school. Uh, the first time I went on a public school campus uh, when I was a youth pastor in 2006, like, I got lost. Like, it was huge, and there were kids everywhere, and I'm, like, calling my kids on their cell phone, trying to get directions through all the different classrooms to some hidden place in the back where they were all eating. It's a terrifying thing for me. But I know that in order for God to accomplish more through my ministry, I can't stay here in the youth room. I can't just keep having my kids over to Vespers. That's easy. I'd love to do that. Your kids are great. <laughs> but God wants more. He needs that next challenge in order for me to broaden where it is I'm able to, to reach. So getting you out of your comfort zone, very important part of this. The next thing God says, right after the challenge, which was a huge challenge for Abraham, so God jumps straight into a promise. Number three, a promise. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. God makes a promise to us. God working through us and blessing us and impacting our lives and reputation as we interact with the world. We can be assured that when God is leading, we will be blessed. And it's not that we do it because we will be blessed, like we're doing it for the blessings, but that we can feel confident that God is with us, that we are not alone, 
As a relationship does have its rewards, we don't do it for the rewards, but those are coming with the challenge. And being blessed by God is a huge thing. For those of you guys who have experienced God's blessings, we have no clue what kind of blessings he's going to give us. Sometimes it tends to be a surprise, and blessings are different for every single person. So we don't know what he has in mind, but we know that he has them in mind. He has your blessings planned. From the moment he initiates contact, from the moment he issues you the challenge, he has the blessings planned for you when you're willing to leave your comfort zone on his behalf. They're ready and they're waiting. And it's good to know that they're waiting for us, that God has you in mind. Now this next one, I considered leaving this next part of the verse out because it makes me uncomfortable and yet there's an intriguing aspect to it as well, and that's part number four, the relationship. And God says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Curse, contempt, they're not fun words. We don't like thinking about cursing people and you know, being mean to people, but it reminded me very much of, how many of you guys have a best friend that when you tell them a story about someone being mean to you, like they're automatically upset on your behalf? Like, they don't have to meet the person. They're just upset because that person's been mean to you, and how dare they be mean to you? Um, it reminds me uh, specifically of my brother, uh, my brother Ruben, which is surprising for some people who know me because my brother Ruben and I do not traditionally get along. <laughs> we have fought more than we have had positive conversations over my life. But the one thing I have never doubted about my brother Ruben, and one of his classmates is over here, <laughs> is that my brother Reuben had my back. I knew that if it came, push came to shove, Reuben would stand up for me. And one of my earliest memories, and this is back when we were kids, I mean, I was maybe 12 years old, he was 11. We were all jumping on the diving board at my grandma's house, like three of us on the diving board at one time, and this cannot end well. And I fell off the side, and I hit my head on the edge of the pool. And I remember like, all the air coming out of me, and I remember me sinking. But I remember so quickly after I hit the water, I heard a splash. And the next thing I know, my brother's pulling me out. Like, it happened so quick, you know? Like, he didn't hesitate. Like, he saw me fall, and he went. And he pulled me up. And it didn't matter how mad it, he was at me for pushing him or something, whatever I'd done earlier to offend him so deeply. My life was in danger, and he was there to pull me up. Uh, years later, when I was in high school, and there was someone in my class who had been picking on me, who had been saying horrible stuff to me, and I mean, just saying the worst things, and you know, I'd been so, I hadn't even talked to my brother about it, but he knew that this was happening to me, and he went, without me knowing, to confront the guy and told him, you know, you need to leave my sister alone. You need to stay away from her, and he may have threatened personal violence. I can't say that for sure. And, because uh, that's just the way that he was. But when I found about this later, because I did not find this from Reuben, I found out that he had done that, and shortly after, this person had stopped bothering me. I remember just so overwhelmed with Reuben's love for me. And I never doubted his love after that. No matter how much we fought, I knew Reuben loved me and that he had, his, had my back. And it was a personal, it was a close relationship that could not be broken no matter what. And I feel like that's what God is promising here. You know, he's 
promising this close relationship. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. Um, the phrase personal relationship with God is never found in the Bible. I've heard sermons preached about this, you know, personal relationship with God isn't found in the Bible. And it's true, it's not. But yet, it's talked about. I mean, it's there, it's in the verse, and this is very much a personal relationship. This is very much a friendship. God's saying he's got our back. He's saying that he's with us and that we can be best friends, that he will always be there no matter what. Um, and God's offering that to us, a relationship, a friendship, a bond with God on our side who can be against us, right? I love that. And that came, that came with the challenge and that came with the promise this relationship with God. As part of this process, we grow closer with God. And it all culminates in this, the outcome. All families on earth will be blessed through you. One thing I love about this, this vision statement for our church is that it, it really does all tie together. We can't just bless the world by ourselves. We only bless the world because we love others. And we only love others because we love God. It's all connected. We can't just pick and choose. That, that love for people does not come naturally for us, especially people outside of, you know, our little world. It's that relationship with God that challenges us to go out. But we come back to this, uh, this word blessing. And what does blessing really mean? Like I said earlier, it's, it's a religious word with religious meaning, and it's one that you see all the time in the Bible. But what does it actually mean? And uh, this particular word for blessing is used a couple more times in Hebrew. When, when God's talking to, uh, to Abraham, he uses the same phrase, all the families on earth will be blessed, shortly before uh, he's about to destroy Sodom. And he says, I should talk to Abraham first because I've promised him that all the families on earth will be blessed through him. And for those of you who know the story, after God talks to Abraham, Abraham, he fights. He fights for the city and he fights for the people and God listens to him because God knows that this is the tool by which all the families of the earth will be blessed. And again, in Genesis 22, God says it right after Abraham is offered Isaac. God had asked him to offer Isaac. And after Abraham has been willing to make the sacrifice, once again, once again, God affirms this promise that all the families will be blessed through Abraham. Bless. It's a, it's a weighted word that we need to look at quickly before it just kind of floats away. We need to grab on to what it means. For me, blessing is, is kind of like a gift. And when God blesses us, he's, he's giving us something. And it's different things each time, but it's, it's, it's bigger than that. Like God gives us these gifts that we can pass on to other people, but the nature of that gift can change. Uh, when, when God blesses us, we're talking about the promises that he's made, all the things that he's given us. When you think about the things God has given us, he's given us life and peace and joy and forgiveness and acceptance and love. I mean, these are huge things that God has given. 
But by far the biggest and best thing God has given us was Jesus. And that was the truest example of blessing. Um, I was talking to my father this past week, and I tend to do what I'm working on my sermons. And we were talking about Jesus being an example of blessing. And he challenged me with this idea that I I will pass on to you. He's like, think about it. Why did Jesus have to come to earth? Okay, now, set aside the whole sacrifice and the cross and, and redemption, the blood part that is tied into the story of Jesus, which was necessary, and we have an understanding of that, but was a human cross really necessary? Did God really need to send Jesus to earth to accomplish the work that he did? Or was it a choice that he made to do it in this way so that we could get to know Jesus, that Jesus would be here, that he would interact with humanity, and we would get to know God better? God made a choice to send Jesus here, to send himself here in human form to interact with us. He lived his whole life here, and he may have only ministered, you know, for the past the last few years where he had disciples and he ran around and speaking, but I can't wait to hear about the rest of Jesus' life, what it looked like with him growing up and being a real blessing to the world around him for his whole life, not just the end. I feel like that beginning part would have a lot to say to us and how we live our lives as blessings to the world around us. So when God gives us a blessing, it's obviously this huge, incredible, incomprehensible thing. So how can we give any blessing that compares to what God gives us? Ideas? Suggestions? I know this isn't the right place for that, but I wanted to get you thinking about that. If if God is giving us such great blessings, how can we pass that on to the people around us? So here we are. God has reached out to us. He's challenged us. He's made us promises. He's offered us a real relationship with him. And the outcome of all that is that we become a blessing to the world around us. So this is way more about serving. It's way more about doing things. It's about who we are because of our relationship with God. That we can only be a blessing in response to our relationship with God. And that's the first step. It always starts with love God, knowing God, spending time with God, and seeking his will for your life. And second step, out of that love for God comes our love for others. We know how much God loves his people, and that we are surrounded with brothers and sisters in Christ. All of the world are God's children. So how can we not love those people? No matter how unlovable they may be at times, they're still a child of God. And so we love them because God first loved us. And lastly, this third step, blessing the world. Because we love God and therefore we love others, we become a blessing. Our love for the world around us becomes the truest testament of who God is. And for some, it's the only testament they will ever see is you and how you live your life, and how you reflect the light God has given you. So it can't just be words. It can't just be something you say. It has to be who you are that's present in all of your interactions with the world around us. It's our job to do our best to look at Jesus 
and say, how can we be more like him? How can we be that embodiment of blessing to the world around us? Uh, One of the ministries that we have here at the church, and one of the things I feel is an embodiment of this this message, is You Matter Ministry. And Bob's going to come up and share a little bit about that. But it's one of the ways that we, that we reach out, that we embrace what Jesus did when, when he fed the hungry and when he interacted with the people who needed him most. This is one of the ways our church is a blessing to our community. 